Welcome to the Bioelectronics Podcast by Neurocore. I'm your host, Rick Rowan, and this is where we can hear about how bioelectronics is changing healthcare and providing benefits to both patients and healthcare systems worldwide. Welcome to this week's edition of the Bioelectronics Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Rowan, and this week I'm joined by my regular co-host, Dr. James Somaru. Hey, James. Hey, man. How's it going? Well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good, dude. Pretty good. Uh, so this week, I thought we'd just do something completely self-indulgent, have a, <laughs> <laughs> a quick catch-up with um, all things Neurocore. Of course, we we may diverge, which happens occasionally, uh, into other areas of health discussions. But um, yeah, I just thought we hadn't had an update since the beginning of the year, and we're almost midway into it, unbelievably. I know, right? Time absolutely flies, and you've been pretty busy, haven't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We, we we have, I mean, uh, it's, uh, literally it seems like only yesterday we did the, I think the catch-up was in January. Yeah. Yeah, we've had, we've had a, a, a lot on. I think we've had around about um, five join the, the team. We've kicked off uh, our, officially our first funded clinical trial, which we can get, get into That's in very a minute. Cool. Yeah, gee, wow, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one place we could start is uh, I've seen out and about you guys have started a something with something with Wales. So the the life science hub in Wales, um, and I'm reading this directly off off the thing I'm reading. So a collaboration with the University of Wales Trinity St David's Assistive Technologies Innovation Centre, which sounds interesting. The TriTech Institute at and apologies for the pronunciation, anybody Welsh, but Huel Dar, the University Health Board, uh, the Life Sciences Hub Wales. And of course, you guys, so you're collaborating on some sort of program to examine the effects of the use of bioelectrical technology for pain management. And that's going to launch in June. So, yeah, tell me about that, mate. Yeah, that, thanks for that. Yeah, I mean, that's really exciting for us. It's been a, a work in progress with some key members of our team and the Life Science Hub Wales uh, team primarily for some time. And uh, it's a it's uh, fr- from a fund called Support or Supported by Accelerate, which is a twenty four million pound co funded program by the European Regional Development Fund through the Welsh Government. And the trial will review the effectiveness and possible health economic benefits for uh, neurocores electroceutical therapy used by patients suffering from MSK musculoskeletal conditions such as arthritis and post-operative knee surgery, as an example. Mm. It's um, you know, it's going to test the effectiveness of uh, electroceuticals as a wearable technology, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's as I say, it's been a work in progress for some time. We're very excited for it to finally start. We opened a, an R and D center in Cardiff in light of this program happening as well. That I think happened at the end of last year. So yeah, finally for all of this to come together, especially with everything that's you know happening at a global level, it's it's. You've been a real uh, win for us, and hopefully a real win for our our study partners and the patients. Nice. So, what's the what's the plan in terms of what you get out of this thing? And so, what's it? Um, what in an ideal world? What's the what's the perfect outcome here? The belief in our own validation that Eurocore's technology or electroceutical as as you know interventional therapies can have a positive impact in both pain management and musculoskeletal conditions. Yeah. 
uh, you know, this the, the best outcome for this study would be, uh, you know, to show the enormous efficacy of that in a, yeah. in a clinical trial environment. And uh, not only that, but, you know, health economics, so being able yeah. to, you know, save the, the, the trust economically per patient to have, you know, positive outcomes for the for the patient and ultimately to be able to, you know, produce this or, or create a, a pathway, if you like, a, an operational pathway uh, using the technology in patient outcomes. Mm. I think that's the thing, isn't it? it? It does become important to not only prove how a technology can improve the quality of care as a, I mean, I say secondary, but it becomes almost the primary if you're talking about selling it to a healthcare organization, but that health economics just becomes so, so important. And it it seems like, you know, something like this, and I've been doing as part of, you know, joining you on this podcast, I've done a fair amount of reading on, on microcurrent and particularly in those two areas, actually, you know, pain relief and wound healing and, you know, for a clinician, like myself, I think the, the the devil's always in the detail, right? And I think going and drilling down into, you know, the physiology, the pathophysiology, the, all it's actually doing at a cellular level is one thing. But then once you get comfortable with that going, well, how does this actually fit into a clinical workflow? What's this actually going to look like? Yeah. Um, are we going to have clinics that do this stuff? Is it going to be administered by orthopedic surgeons? Is it going to be physiotherapists? Is it going to be for everybody? Is it going to be for certain people? But I suppose the more you read about it, the more that you realize that the, the personalization element of it is what allows for so much of that flexibility. And I think when it comes to developing health economic models, it, it's kind of wide open. And I think that's it, it's a it's a blessing and a curse in a way it's like the the person that comes along and says oh i can do everything and 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 you know like oh well what can you do specifically no no no, i can do everything and it's, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like that you get you get a lot of a healthy dose of skepticism whenever that's the case but it with the ability to personalize or with i suppose the necessity actually to personalize because i think you're only going to realize the real benefits of personalization but the point being with a, it's a flexible technology that can be adopted in many different ways. And I think that adoption piece um, always becomes the most important when you're trying to get to those health economic gains. And yeah, yeah. I, I, as you say, you know, I think the ability to, to put it into those different clinical pathways is, is important. I mean, I think too, um, when you start to break it down, so, you know, bioelectronics or uh, electroceuticals as therapeutics are not one one thing and as you alluded to mm. uh, there when someone comes along and says you can do all of these things or these many things there is skepticism and that's entirely valid but when you start to break it down and you look at the different parameters or modalities individually so you know the nerve uh, application the neuromuscular or the physical therapy application and then you start to look at the uh, microcurrent from a cellular or, or tissue level and you break it into these pieces, which is, you know, sort of what we're doing with this study because we're focusing on the on pain and musculoskeletal applications, then it makes uh, sense. But, uh, uh, you know, we're probably at fault too in regards to how a, a product is communicated or how a technology or therapy is communicated. But at the same time, it's hard to just say, well, it does this and we can do this and just leave everything else out. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it becomes challenging from a communication perspective. But 
you know, the anticipated outcomes of this evaluation were, you know, we expect will deliver significant impact in the treatment of chronic pain by assisting patients to self-manage symptoms at home and bring long-term economic health benefits to the NHS and, you know, private healthcare. Mm. And, you know, we're not the only ones that believe so, of course, because we've got both the, the university and the other uh, clinical trial partners who, who also believe from preliminary data uh, exactly the same. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. And, um, you know, <laughs> we're bursting, it seems, to get started at, as, as are the rest of the project members. Mm. When it comes to, I suppose, that, that credibility piece, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording about this, about that kind of need to to show medical credibility. And I think it's early days of the research. And that's something that I've noticed when I've been reading about this. It is early days of the research when it comes to bioelectronics, when it comes to particularly things like microcurrent. And yeah, I suppose with the the need for that medical credibility versus also the needs of you guys to actually get this into the hands of patients to show an MVP, to show that you've got uh, initial not only traction from a company point of view but the fact this actually works like patients that actually yeah. say that this works and generating demand and i suppose the market again if you want to go down the company words but i suppose it's a balance between the two isn't it because on one hand you don't want to alienate people that can genuinely go and buy this off the shelf by talking about atp synthesis and enhancing active secretion of tenocytes if you're talking about (laughs) tendons and you know increasing collagen synthesis and amino acid uptake you know all these things that microcurrent for example has been chosen to do you can't you can't then go well, these, I mean, you can, I suppose, and that's one way of, of, of getting people to the table, but a certain type of people, well, that might scare a lot of consumers away. So it's, it's an interesting balance that I guess you, you have to strike as, as Neurocore to say, well, look, we're part of all of this research. Look at the stuff we're doing with, with Life Science Hub Wales. Look at our clinical trial. Look at all the research that we do and read and we speak to the team about. We've got clinical scientists in the team doing all this stuff. But on the other hand, it's also like, look at our really nice branding and look, look how nice the device is. And look, you yes. put it on and you get pain relief in in you know a couple of hours, which may last as long as eight weeks. You know, there's always these, there's always these, these different um, lines to walk. It's interesting how you guys are approaching it. Yeah. So what you've just sort of touched on there has probably been some of the biggest challenges for us. And even as it stands now with... Um, discussions with various stakeholders you know the question comes up are you guys taking on too much Mm. as an example and um or how where do you say how do you say no is probably more the question interesting Um, so so this it's it's you know again these are valid questions and valid points that that are posed to us and you know, when it comes to choosing what and where, uh, there's a number of factors that we look at. Is one is do we have the expertise? Do we already understand that application? You know, could we provide a solution that is going to benefit uh, either that uh, therapeutic outcome or that patient cohort or or that market? Uh, that's the first one. The second one is you know, is a solution needed? Is there or is there already existing efficacy solutions for that problem? 
And then, of course, there's there's the traditional commercial ones like size of market, how much of the, the market you would be able to, to gain, all of these commercial questions. So that's how we decide. And similarly, we now need to sort of approach this in a not dissimilar manner to how we are communicating and deciding on where we apply resources for clinical validation. Yeah. And do we need it? So clinical validation in the consumer market is almost self-fulfilling. So, you know, our customer reviews, our product reviews, et cetera, they sort of speak for themselves. So we're now adding to that using that cohort of data. We are clinically surveying our customers and, and our stakeholder patients to get a better understanding of, of, of that cohort from a clinical perspective so we can move some of that data into clinical at the same time i mean we've we've been very fortunate to have a highly experienced clinical director uh, join the neurocore team uh, in the last couple of months <laughs> he's had a huge job ahead of him um you know when we started looking at the potential projects or various nhs trusts and partners that we potentially had projects with the reality was we we actually had too many you know there was there was such interest for for uptake in in the application of our tech and therapeutics that we've actually had to you know, cut it down into going back to those core objectives around where can we have the most impact, where do we have the expertise or knowledge, yeah. and, 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 you know, even starting with some pre-existing clinical data, which is how we sort of, you know, look to formulate it, it from the very beginning. And we've, we've actually had to cut it down and become much more uh, focused and so the, the trials or the um, studies that we will be running over the next, um, you know, three to six months especially will be very high value both to us and at a clinical level like the, the Life Science Hub Wales. I admit firsthand that it has been somewhat of a quandary at times mm-hmm. because there has been um, too many choices, but luckily someone with a bit more objective view has come in <laughs> other than, than myself. Um, you know, to to put some, uh, you know, some direction and management behind that because, you know, we, we really do need to sort of focus where we can have the most impact and have the resources to do so. Yeah. Focus is just so important for any business trying to meet any objective. And I think in health tech, it's always towards patient care at the end of the day. It's just that, that you know, as honourable as that is and, and can be, the same principles still apply. You have to focus to get things done. And, and whilst you can want you can want to make impact across all these things, you know, we could start talking about how microcurrent and all the rest of it can, and bioelectronics can prevent height or, or help with hypertension and mm-hmm. all these other things. There's, there's loads of things, you could, loads of routes you could go down with all this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, but again, yeah, it becomes about focusing not only the clinical application, but also where you focus the comms and where you focus the which investors you're going for and everything, it really yeah. becomes about focus. Exactly. I mean, when you, for instance, I mean, musculoskeletal ones are a little bit more direct, but if you look at the offshoot of some of these things like diabetic patients, so, you know, we know we can have um, a positive outcome for diabetic neuropathy as an example for pain yeah. management. Uh, that is, you know, when I say reasonably straightforward, I mean, I mean, the mechanisms are, and our uh, expertise in those therapeutic applications are, are, are fairly well established. And then you've got things like improvement of, uh, as an example, lower limb circulation. So, you know, we, we've done a number of um, observational patient trials with, with regards to that. You know, Dr. 
Rem Taser from our team uh, proposed a po- or put forward a poster in the European Wound Congress. And that's that's one thing. And again, then you start to look at microcurrent for wound and non-healing ulcers, and you know that there's lots of things that we can do for for diabetic patients. Then when you start to look at other things like the effect that the stimulation parameters have on blood glucose levels, mm. you go down a rabbit hole for which yeah. <laughs> for, for years. But that area in particular, although we know there's an impact and, and influence there, it's not our area of expertise. And it's not an area for which we have, um, you know, the the technology and therapeutic knowledge. So, you know, we we will sit that aside, or at least for now. <laughs> I say mm-hmm. that um, with my fingers crossed, probably. <laughs> but um, you, you know, it, it is about really thinking about uh, one is how quickly we can do it, and two is how effectively. Mm, that makes sense. One thing I suppose related to that is. Recently, you guys have brought on quite a lot of clinical people in various capacities, be those investors, be those um, part of your team. You mentioned the RAM, there's Ardashir, there's others right that have, that have joined recently. You've definitely, I suppose, seen this strengthening from that medical clinical credibility capacity mm-hmm. to the point where I suppose it's less about and I, I, I'm asking the question here, I suppose, for for maybe other startups that are listening in, in wellness spaces and things like that. But I suppose you, you don't then feel the pressure as much to be out there from a medical perspective so much because I suppose you're so defensible of it. You've got so much strength in those departments that you know you're doing the right things. It becomes less about, hey, look at us, look how medically credible we are. We're so amazing from that perspective. Mm. There's almost, I suppose, credibility in that more stoic approach of just getting those people on board and cracking on. Definitely. And it's also, uh, you know, it's provided a almost invaluable sounding board uh, for us, particularly within clinical areas. Mm-hmm. So yes, the, there's definitely the credibility there. I mean, uh, you would know yourself. It's you know clinicians and particularly um, uh, doctors, professors, uh, you know, expertise in certain areas are very careful about where they um, publicly show their association and involvement. Correct. Yeah, and I think to Nurico's credit that that has you know really been a, a show of strength mm. for us by way of credibility you know not just in the therapeutic applications and the technology and the knowledge and and the expertise but also in the vision of what it is that we believe is you know achievable mm. or the objective of of the vision and so yes absolutely and it also it does bolster our confidence immensely given that you know we've got this backing and this support for what it is that we're doing but the practical side of it is that you know we have this resource that we can call on for everything from post-surgery to yeah. tissue regeneration to wound to you know a rem as an as an example you're talking about her at the moment she's 15 20 years experience in electrical stimulation pain and wound with her own uh, clinic uh, Ardashi's expertise is vast. Um, you know, Raj Bhattacharya is the president of the Royal Society of Medicine Orthopedics. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about patient recovery and 
and post-surgical pathways, you know, we, we've, we've discussed quite this immense resource and there are many others. And <laughs> if I talk about, if I say any more names and then I'll have to say all names. <laughs> <laughs> and you leave one out and then they, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, correct. We'll leave it there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just giving some example guys. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but yeah, sorry, I, I sort of lost <laughs> where your point was. But yeah, it it, it it has been very beneficial for us. Yeah. Mm. Have you noticed any difference with those people on board in terms of international reach? I know you guys are doing stuff in the US and that's something that's kicked off recently as well. Has, has it been a help? Have you noticed anything different about going to the US? One of the reasons that I incorporated or started this company in the UK was just that, you know, one of the main regulatory pathways obviously being CE, um, UK being based on CE and within European markets, uh, it, it definitely made more sense to be, you know, within that marketplace. Two was the, the UK government incentives for um, startups and particularly knowledge intensive companies was quite supportive yeah. but by comparison to, to Oz. Um, the US for, for me, one was a little bit unfamiliar, but a little bit too far of a stretch. And then, you know, FDA is a different different or was at that time a different pathway regulatory wise than than CE. So we 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 look at we do both, both FDA and CE. But in saying that, you know, it was always always known that the US was a big startup, uh, you know, the startup scene in the US uh, dwarfs pretty much most of those. I mean even Europe as a whole still is is behind the US in that regard. And I suppose, you know, we've now started to attract quite a bit of US interest uh, as a fast-growing uh, startup. And as we've learned as we've gone along, yeah, there's definitely some, some obvious signs that uptake in the US, particularly when you've got a, you know, a, a proven solution for particular markets, um, that the uptake can be quite accelerated by comparison to right. probably more conservative approach in UK and EU. Is that because do you think the layer is more joined up? So you sell to one, you can sell to others. Do you think it's less? Because I know the UK can be quite fragmented in in that in that same way. Is it is it that? Is it something different? Yeah, I mean they're they're almost two different games, if you like. Uh, right. The better analogy: the US uh, reimbursement pathways and the payer pathways are hugely complex. Uh, I mean, to the point where we you know we had to engage a, con- a consultant expert. Mm to help us with that but in saying that once you've worked your way through that complexity you're you're right it is it is less disjointed and essentially you can go into almost any hospital clinician clinic and you know follow that as same right pathways or supply pathways almost i mean they do have frameworks like the uk but they're you know for specific areas we're in the uk You've got to get on the, the frameworks for the for the NHS. Mm. And uh, to be honest, <laughs> it's well, one, it's not my area of expertise, but it is rather disjointed. You know, you want to get into to one hospital or one area, uh, you know, it depends on what framework they're on or, or tower or, or you know, the, the, the various pathways. And it is, yeah, you, you you're right. You almost have to find a delivery partner who's already connected through those uh, if you want to short circuit it otherwise you know it's it's quite a job ahead what is it that you're doing in the us right now because obviously 
you've got you've got certain devices, you've got other devices coming out. Mm-hmm. What's the goal with the US right now? Is it to form a foothold to then launch other devices in future? What what's the plan? So we've got two new products launching in the US that are RX only, so prescription. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. Uh, initially within the chronic pain market because our um, partner in in the US had identified an an opportunity or need there. So that's where we will start. But I suppose similarly to any market, once you've actually got those channels established, then you you can start to look at other markets, whether that's the acute market, whether that's, you know, might be, you know, something related to musculoskeletal or occupational health. Nonetheless, your delivery channels or your routes to market often overlapped. So the chronic pain market is a well, it's a huge one in its own. So again, without getting diverted and watered down into too many areas, um, for the next 12 to 24 months, the focus will be on establishing those routes to market with this product, for which our delivery partner is um, well experienced. You know, they've been, they've been operating within the these channels for many years and are very credible and and already have you know, the, the workforce ready for the product or, or the, the channels ready for the product. Um, so the first one is a, a fairly simple product. It's just a, a wearable. And then the, the second RX device launching into the US, I don't know how commercially sensitive this is, so um, is uh, a more advanced product, including uh, the use of microcurrent technology uh, for, you know, again, for that same prescription space. So for for delivery or for prescribing through clinicians and clinics and hospitals and medical providers. Final question then, mate, from me would be, we tend to do these catch-ups, what, between three to six monthly in between all the other guests. What's next then, whether you want to talk about UK or just in general, what what are you guys up to for the next three to six months? Uh, I mean, we've... Again, there's 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 many areas from a distribution perspective. We're in discussions with several other uh, countries, both uh, North America and uh, North America, Canada, Asia, uh, as well as a, a number of European uh, ones. That is sort of running at pace. Our pharmacy or clinic, you know, local pharmacy market, the pain clinics have been hugely successful, and uh, they are growing at scale at the moment. As in, you know, we've got multiples coming on every week, month. And that that's an interesting one because we are at the moment fundamentally changing the standards of practice or, or, or operational practice within community pharmacy for pain patients, um, which is quite exciting. The pharmacies are seeing amazing results. And that's grown like wildfire, excuse the cliche. So, you know, the, the growth of those distribution channels <clears throat> on the development side our um, our technology, you know, we are right in the midst of development of our second generation technology, which is hugely exciting, also daunting. It is a little bit um, resource uh, dependent, you know, so we're in the middle of a series A at the moment. And some of that, you know, to, to go through to finalisation will, you know, require uh, funding to do so. But <laughs> as usual, we're doing a lot on a little and, you um, uh, you know, the the I suppose the, the more successful we are in all areas, uh, the the better that process will go. Sounds good, man. You still enjoying yourself? Most days, most. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you can hope for, man. That's all you can uh, hope for. Yeah, I think I think any entrepreneur, business business person, you, you 
you, you take all the um, the ups and, and the downs. It's about just trying to sort of keep a level focus. Totally agree, mate. James, great chatting to you as usual. Mate, that's probably all we've got uh, time for. I look forward to our next guest. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Bioelectronics Podcast by Neurocore and for making it to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed it, remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review. We'd much appreciate it. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow us on all of our socials so you don't miss out on any of the latest Bioelectronic content.